on this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. You cannot target body fat. You cannot spot reduce, as some people call it. Uh, I know a few years ago, there was a very popular thing where people were taking plastic wrap and they were wrapping it around their bellies in an attempt to lose belly fat. Um, Okay. And that doesn't work. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. I'm Natalia, one of the show's producers, and today we're here with Nicholas Demeglio, who's a personal trainer at Performance. He was here last week, and thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, it's been a pleasure, so I'm very happy you're here. And as a personal trainer, you clearly know your stuff about weight training and strength training and endurance training, etc. But I wanted to talk today about weight training. And it's... I see everybody going on runs every day and they're outside and then they talk about going on the treadmill and, and cardio is such a big part of what we talk about as, you know, a form of exercise. Oh, you need to walk your 10,000 steps a day. You need to track your steps, your heart rate, et cetera. But weight training isn't necessarily as talked about. It is getting much more popular nowadays. Um, People are focusing a lot more on it. It's not just go on a run every day, but also, you know, maybe you should lift some weights if you want to lose weight or make some gains. Um, so I was also wondering about that. We live in a culture where it's so cardio focused. Um, I was wondering if you knew how we even got there. So thanks for having me on again. Uh, last episode was a lot of fun. So um, if you're listening, go check that out. We did a great job on forming good habits. Um, but to kind of get into your question, the whole field of exercise physiology is relatively new. It's a fairly new science, really only been around for about 100, maybe hundred and. 20 years or so. And a lot of other sciences like anatomy and and other biologies have been around for significantly longer than that. You know, philosophy has been around for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years and exercise physiology really hasn't. Now, with that being said, you kind of got to go back in time and picture yourself in the mid 1930s and 1940s and kind of put yourself into the history of what was going on at that time. You know, that was right around World War II. And now this doesn't sound relevant when I start saying it, but I promise it will be. Right around World War II, you kind of had two different mentalities, two different sides of the world that were literally going to war. Um, And a part of that war extended from World War II into what we know as the Cold War. And so in the Western civilizations, we took our exercise physiology and we went in one direction because we thought that was going to be the best direction to go in to get us more Olympic medals, to get our, you know, our country to be the most physically fit in the world. And then the Eastern European and, you know, you get into Russia, you get into China and they kind of went the opposite direction. Um, Most of what we know now from strength training came from countries like Germany, Russia, um, a little bit from China. And that's kind of where strength training formed. So we kind of went two different directions. And because we were in the midst of the Cold War, we kind of viewed those countries as an evil entity, if you will. And, you know, for better or for worse, but we refused to kind of adopt some of their strategies and they probably refused to adopt some of ours. Now, if we know anything about moderation, that's where everything lies. Everything needs to lie in moderation. Do not eat the whole cake, but you can have a piece of cake. Do not chug five gallons of water, but have your 80 ounces a day or whatever it is. So it sounds like we went into the cardio world while the Eastern powers went into the strength training world. How did that turn out for us? Uh, So it 
didn't go so well. You know, I'm kind of going to put that bluntly. Um, it didn't go so well for us. You know, during the Cold War, we really didn't excel at the Olympics. Um, you know, Russia kind of came through and they kind of swept the floor. And we were actually just watching the, um, if anybody's a fan of the Rocky movies, those are some of my favorite movies of all time. We were just watching uh, the Rocky Four training montage where you see Rocky Balboa going on his runs. And I think everybody kind of knows his iconic moment where he runs up the, the steps and he jumps at the top. And then everybody kind of thinks of Ivan Drago as this big muscular guy. And in the training montage, he's in there lifting weights. And that kind of really depicts what was going on at the time of, of the, the United States putting all their energy, all their resources into the cardio world and into the endurance world. And then the, the Eastern European uh, countries kind of going more towards that strength realm, that strength science. Um, yes, maybe a little steroids were used in there as well, but, you know. Everybody was doing it back then. Yeah, of course. That makes it fine. That makes it fine. Uh, did Rocky win? Uh, Rocky did end up winning, actually. Okay. However, okay. that wasn't really what happened in real life. Ah. Um, we, we, we didn't do too hot against them when it came That's, to like. I mean, of course, it's a Olympics, movie. We have you know? to present ourselves as the best of the best, even if the science isn't exactly behind us. I would agree. I would agree. But kind of going back to that, like everything in moderation. Um, strength training is, is one of the best things that you can do for yourself, but if it's at the detriment to your cardiovascular health and fitness, that's also not going to make you the most well-rounded person you can be. Of course. I mean, we even did a podcast episode a few months ago, um, talking about cardio myths. And one of the biggest things that we spoke about was the fact that if you walk even a thousand steps a day, that will increase your lifespan. Uh, it, it helps with heart health, cardiovascular health, etc. So it's not something that you can overlook and be like, oh, well, cardio training is completely unnecessary. Um, but because we've covered cardio and now we're focusing on weight training, can you explain why exactly weight training is so important? What happens to our bodies when we're weight training? How does that help us increase performance, um, strength, etc.? Uh, so when you do do strength training, you're training your body in different ranges of motion generally that you don't really get to in daily life. So uh, if you do a squat, for instance, you're going into very, very deep hip flexion and knee flexion. Um, that's basically bringing your knees towards your chest. And when you do stuff like that, you're creating a hormonal response in your body that forces your body to adapt to the stimulus that's going on around you um, because lifting weights is a threat to your body. And you're putting stress on your muscles. You're putting stress on your muscles. Exactly. And in order to adapt to that stress, your body will start putting on more muscle and it will increase the, the cross-sectional area of certain muscles. Um, now there is actually, uh, it, it's quite impossible for us as humans to actually gain muscle fibers, huh. but we do have the ability to increase our muscle fiber sizes. So that's where the, that the hypertrophy world lives. So you can grow the size of your muscles, but you can't actually increase the number of muscle fibers that you have. But I guess it makes sense. You can't just, we, humans can't really just start growing things out of nowhere. If you chop off a finger, you can't grow it back. But it does make sense that we can increase or decrease the size of what we already have. Can you talk a little bit about what happens to our fat cells when we do weight training um, and maybe how that differs from doing cardio? 
So I kind of talked about the hormonal response that we, we get from weight training. And uh, one of those hormones is uh, insulin-like growth factor number one. So IGF-1 is usually how it's labeled. And IGF-1 is what's um, secreted from our, our, our adrenal glands after we go through heavy bouts of strength training. And basically what that does is it codes for a certain gene um, through our DNA and it forces us to produce proteins to code for increasing our muscle size. So what that does is it prohibits us to utilize our fat stores for energy during the rest of the day. So yeah, I've, I've heard that like um, weight training helps you lose more fat over time. As your muscles grow, you're able to burn more fat. While cardio, it's a lot more you're burning fat in the moment, or not even necessarily fat. I honestly not too short, but I've so, always heard it was like a short-term versus long-term fat burning thing. Yeah. So I would 100% agree with that. The cardio, it burns calories. Mm-hmm. So not even necessarily it burns fat. So that's a big reason why when you look at your heart rate, you want to stay within a certain heart rate zone, because if your heart rate goes too high, all of a sudden you're kind of out of that quote unquote fat burning zone. Interesting. Um, but then as soon as you step off the treadmill or whatever form of cardio you like, your, your, your Peloton, your track runs, whatever it may be, as soon as you stop that, you virtually stop burning extra right. calories. And you kind of go back to what they call your resting metabolic rate, which is the amount of calories that you burn just sitting on your couch every single day. Right. What exactly is the heart rate zone? So typically... It does depend on your aerobic activity fitness level. Um, so obviously, if you are a, an elite marathon runner, your heart rate zones will be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but for general public, I like to say between 120 and 140 beats per minute is usually where you want to stay for that long duration, slow, steady state cardio. Um, once you start getting over that, you're entering more of a, an anaerobic phase where your muscles start to use the... Um, the carbohydrate stores that it has within the muscle, as opposed to pulling from the fat stores for your energy. Interesting. So you're still burning calories. It's just different. It, it, the source of those calories differs. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, your body likes to burn fat when the heart rate is lower because mm-hmm. it takes us longer to burn those fat stores where the um, intramuscular carbohydrates, that's a very, very fast source of energy. So if you need to go for a sprint, you're not going to use your fat stores necessarily um, because that's just too short of a time and you're not going to, you're not going to sprint very well if you're waiting for the energy to come all the way from the fat stores. Um, It's kind of like getting something delivered by Amazon versus UPS. Amazon's probably going to be there by the next day. UPS might take a little longer. Okay. And how, how does that differ from weight training? So like I've mentioned before, I assume it's the muscles growing and being able to burn more fat over time. It, it does that have anything to do with the um, heart rate zone? Is that something completely separate? It's a little different. Um, holding on to muscle is very costly for us as people. Um, nobody just walks into a gym and accidentally puts on too much muscle. Ha, I um, wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, that just doesn't happen. It takes a lot, a lot of hard work to actually gain muscle, but I think you'll find it very easy to sit on the couch and gain fat cells. Um, but the strength training is very important because when you do grow that muscle again, because it's harder for us to hold on to that, you increase your resting metabolic rate, which we talked about a few minutes ago, where that's the normal amount of calories that you would burn just sitting on the couch. So if you increase that, it doesn't necessarily matter how much calories you burn 
during your training session because afterwards you're still going to have they call it the afterburn effect lasts about 24 to 48 hours where you're increasing the amount of calories that you burn the rest of the day and then rest of the 48 hours later. So uh, I actually talked with a client this morning about this. And um, so if you take two people and say they eat their 2000 calories a day and throughout that day, their one person's resting metabolic rate is 1500 calories. So 2000 minus 1500 is 500. So then they went out and they did their run and they burned 500 calories on their run. Now their net calories during that day is zero, right? So they net zero and they had a good day. It was a pretty good day. Um, But then if you take away that run, they now still owe 500 calories or they consumed 500 more calories and didn't burn that off. Now, if you take the strength training where you increase your resting metabolic rate, so I get that same person 2,000 calories a day, they weight trained and they burned 500 calories during their weight training session, but that weight training session also increased their resting metabolic rate. And let's, for the sake of numbers, let's say it increased your resting metabolic rate from 1,500 to 1,800. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you're net negative 300 calories during that day. And that's how you're going to then start to see that that weight loss come from the fat cells. Um, again, you your body needs a long time to process those right. fat cells. So that's generally what you're burning at rest is fat. That um, makes sense. Can you lose fat but grow muscle at the same time? Yep. Uh, I know that that's kind of a common myth that, yeah. that people put out there a little bit. But you definitely can do both. It's just a matter of to what degree. Gotcha. So obviously there are kind of two opposing factors there. But if you look at most bodybuilders out there, they have to build a certain amount of muscle, but then they step on the stage and they're about one or 2% body fat. So you definitely can gain that muscle while losing some of that fat. They're kind of opposing processes, but they can work in tandem. Gotcha. Is there a difference between just building muscle and for example, toning? Is toning even a thing or is that just a term that people misuse to label something else? Uh, toning is kind of just a a label toning. All toning is, is increasing your muscle and kind of what I said before of nobody walks into the gym and accidentally puts on too much muscle. Um, in order for you to quote unquote tone, you actually do need to weight train and you do need to put in the work to get yourself to a certain level of muscularity that you find acceptable. Now that's going to be different for everybody. Right. So if, if you don't want to look like uh, Phil Heath or Ronnie Coleman, who are two of the best bodybuilders of all time, if you don't want to look like them, you don't have to. And I promise you're probably not going to. <laughs> um, they they train for 10 hours a day, you know, unless you dedicate your life to it. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, so toning is just kind of a word for increasing your muscle size and increasing your your muscle definition maybe losing a little bit about that body fat that we talked about without getting to a point where feel that you're too muscular. Gotcha. Um, so most people can kind of stop at a certain point that they deem acceptable for themselves and say, okay, that's kind of good enough. And then you can kind of work on more of a maintenance phase where you do a little bit more of the strength training, but maybe you go into a little bit more of the cardio stuff. Um, Cause again, well, like we talked about before, you have to have that balance. Right. Is it possible to target body fat? Like say, for example, just do ab exercises if you want to lose belly fat. Is that a thing? Uh, no, that is not a thing. Um, you cannot target body fat. You cannot 
spot reduce as some people call it uh, i know a few years ago there was a very popular thing where people were taking plastic wrap and they were wrapping it around their oh. bellies in an attempt to lose belly fat um, okay and that doesn't work um so when when i train people i like to pick exercises that are what we call complex mm -hmm. so that basically means that more than one joint is moving at the same time so i kind of talked about the squat before where you have the knee flexion so your knees are bending you have the hip flexion so your hips are also bending you know you're kind of bringing your knees towards your chest um, and so you have multiple joints moving at the same time so you're recruiting more and more muscles right um, where you have other exercises like isolation exercises that are similar to bicep curls so okay. you're doing your your one joint moving as you do the bicep curl would you recommend one over the other? I know you mentioned that you do more of these like compound movements. Is it okay to still do isolation exercises or are they just not as worth it? Uh, 100% it's, it's okay to do them. That's kind of what bodybuilders do a lot. And mm -hmm. as you see, you know, they're, they're some of the most muscular people on the face of the planet. And, but at the same time, I look at it as uh, best bang for your buck. I was right about to use that same <laughs> phrase. It's, it's the best bang for your buck. So when I train somebody, I only have an hour to work right. with them. So I'm going to find exercises that are, are going to fit within that time constraint, but also give them the adaptations and the changes that they want. That makes sense. That actually leads me to um, another question about like what's best for making gains in weight training. Um, is it better to do fewer reps with higher weights or is it better to do or like more resistance or is it better to do more reps with less resistance? Does that make a difference at all? So in a stereotypical strength coach fashion, I'm going to say it depends. <laughs> um, it depends on a few factors. So if, if you're somebody who's very, very new to strength training, um, it doesn't matter. You can do sets of eight. You can do with, with a little heavier weight. Um, and you can do sets of 20 to 30 reps with significantly lighter weight. And if you're a beginner, again, you'll see progress. Um, you'll, you'll see muscle hypertrophy during those phases. Um, now, as you get a little older and your training age goes up, that's when you have to get a little bit more specific. And that kind of, again, goes back to whatever your specific goals are. So if you do want to be a bodybuilder or a power lifter, you have to live within a certain range. So a bodybuilder might want to stay more in that kind of 12, uh, 8 to 15 rep range or so. Um, usually anything over that and the, um, the weight is just not heavy enough to provide them enough stimulus uh, for that growth hormone response that we were talking about before. Uh, for a power lifter, you probably want to stay within your one to five, one to eight rep range or so somewhere around there. Because again, uh, for a power lifter, their main goal is to increase their strength. Um, so you kind of have to live in whatever realm that you feel comfortable with. Um, but it does depend. And training age makes a very, very big difference. Um, but if your goals aren't to kind of put on significant amounts of muscle mass, you can probably live in the 15 to 20 rep range and see very, very good results. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and in order to actually maintain those results, do you, I keep hearing that you need to have some kind of protein within 60 minutes of your exercise. Sometimes I've heard 30 minutes. Is that a thing? Why, why do people focus on protein so much? Um, so again, I kind of like to go back to the history of this um, and the history of strength training as we know it now is is fairly bodybuilder based mm -hmm. um if you kind of go back to arnold schwarzenegger in the you know 70s and 80s when he was in his prime um that's kind of where a lot of what we get now a lot of the myths and and a lot of the facts that we get 
it comes from now. And we like to overcomplicate things and, and try to be too specific with certain things that might not necessarily matter. So when you look at somebody's nutritional profile, um, you have to look at it from an outside in perspective. So you have to look at the, the forest through the trees. So you have to say, okay, first step is, are my total calories during the day sufficient? It doesn't matter where I get those calories from are my total calories sufficient? So if I'm supposed to get 2000 calories, do I hit my 2000 calories? If I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight, you probably want to be a little bit under those 2000 calories. Now that makes up about 60% of your pie. Now the other about 25% goes into macronutrient breakdown and macronutrient breakdown being protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So are you getting the right percentages of each of those macronutrients in order to fill your 2000 calories a day? And then that takes up about 25% of your pie. And now the rest, because 60 plus 25, about 85, so math is good, um, we 15. get about 15% left. So the other 15% comes down to about um, meal timing and where those macronutrients come from, so food quality, so you can get 10 grams of protein from... Uh, a chocolate milkshake, or you can get 10 grams of protein from a lean piece of chicken. Right. Um, so kind of food quality becomes important there. So there's about seven and a half percent of that. And then another seven and seven and a half percent of meal timing. So if we really look at meal timing and nutrient timing, it, it's a very small portion of the pie that really is only going to make a large difference to somebody who is an elite athlete. So if you look at the Olympics, those are going on right now. Right. Um, those matter. Those definitely matter. But I think to, to the everyday average person, I don't really think that that's where you should be focusing all your energy on. Um, you should be looking at your total calories during the day, your total macronutrient breakdown. And if all of those things are in order, then, yeah, we can talk about your um, your nutrient quality and your nutrient timing. So theoretically, you should be taking in some protein right after your workouts. But it's not the end all be all as long as you have all of the other things you're doing. Um, you should take care of those first and then move on to thinking about timing and then a, your the specific timing of your protein intake. Um, of course, nutrition matters. You can be doing so much at the gym and then you can be just consuming calories in liquid form and your little snacking throughout the day and then it won't really end up mattering. Yes. So that's where the total calories becomes the end all be all, right? If, if you go over your total calories for the day and your goal is to lose weight, I don't care if you had your 60, your, your protein within 60 minutes, it's not going to make a difference. You're still going to gain the weight. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you want to take us home? Any last comments? Uh, yeah, I think the, the overall thing that I want people to get away from this is everything in moderation. Um, you know, if, if you're somebody who you really love your Peloton, you really love going for a run, whatever form of cardio that you really enjoy, um, you know, kind of step away from that for a little bit maybe and, and, Try out some strength training stuff. And at the same time, if you're somebody who has been really, really um, into the strength training realm for the past few years, try a little bit more of the cardio-based um, activities so that you kind of become that well-rounded person that we want you to be and that it's going to be the most successful way to, to get you through the rest of your life. Yeah, of course. And just a little bit of a plug. If anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to Nick. Um, he'd be a fantastic resource for evaluating what your habits are, what your training is like. Um, he's, he's great. So if you have any questions, please reach out. And if anybody has any other general questions, um, comments, topics they want us to cover on the podcast, feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at performance. 
optimalhealth.com. Um, feel free to leave us a review if you like what you heard um, anywhere you get your podcasts. And that's it for today. Thank hey, you. Thanks for having me on.